understand some of the Sunday school classes have been dealing with Jeremiah, just like we are here in, uh, in church this morning. So I hope this will not be redundant as we think together about uh, God's words to us through his prophets of old. Build homes, take wives, have children, seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you, for in its welfare you will find your own. And had we continued a couple of verses beyond these assigned scriptures, we would have read this word from God to the Jews of old, and I think to us here today as well. Listen carefully if you would. Verse 11. For surely I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for your welfare and not for harm. To give you a future with hope. To give you a future with hope. I don't know about you, but I think we could use a word of hope right about now. Don't you think so? I have good plans for you, God says. To give you a future with hope. A number of years ago, as most Methodist preachers are from time to time, I was up for a new appointment. And at that point in time, I wasn't really sure where I wanted to go. Gordon, maybe you've been here too. But I knew exactly where I didn't want to go. <laughs> All you preachers say, amen. <laughs> there was a church to which I dreaded the thought of being sent. Because you see, it was being served by the father of one of Karen's college friends. And he had told her horror story after horror story about the way this particular congregation had been treating uh, this young man's father. And so knowing this, because she'd come home on the weekend and she'd tell us all those horror, horror stories, you know, I, I was praying as I knew I was up for appointment, Lord, wherever the bishop calls and says he wants me to go, I'll go there. But please don't send me to this particular church. Well, well, guess what? The bishop called, and they were offering me that church. Aye, aye, aye. My heart went up into my throat, and I gulped. I hope not too loudly, but I was finally able to say, Bishop, I lied a little bit. Bishop, it would be my pleasure to serve that congregation. But you know what? It was. It was. 
It was kind of like that Uncle Remus story where Br'er Bear threw Br'er Rabbit into the briar patch. Y'all remember that story of old? Thanks, you know, this is where I belong. And that's exactly uh, what it was for us. That was my very best church appointment ever. And we stayed there longer than we stayed at any other of my appointments. It was where we needed to be. And we were the parsonage family that that town and that congregation needed at that point in time. It reminds us that God knows what we need. Sometimes even more than we do. God knows and wants what's best for us even more than we do. And I found over the course of my life that sometimes the things that we fear the most and desire the least are exactly what we need at that time. It was true for Mickey and me during uh, that appointment uh, in the 90s, and it was true also for the Jews during that 70-year period of exile in Babylon. You know, that period of exile was one of the most traumatic things that happened to God's people during that entire Old Testament period. And yet it was one of the best things that ever happened to them. For it was there in Babylon that they had the opportunity to learn and to grow. And that period of exile allowed Judaism to become the worldwide religion that it is today. And it was in that period of time, surrounded by that distinctly different culture, that the Old Testament as we know it, and thus the entire Bible, began to take the shape that we know it to have today. Nevertheless, nevertheless, the Jews did not want to be there. I mean, who wants to be grabbed by the neck and carted off, you know, 500 miles away into a place you've never been before? I sure wouldn't. And it was indeed for them a very harsh reality, but it was necessary for them to fulfill their God-given calling. It was necessary for them to live out their God-intended purposes. And Jeremiah knew this. So he told the people of the exile to stay put. Make the best of the situation God's put you into. Build homes and families to pray and to work for the betterment of the society around them. That's important. I'm going to say it again. God told the Jews in exile to pray and to work for the betterment of that society around them. And through Jeremiah, God was telling his people to see their situation as an opportunity. An opportunity 
to make themselves better, an opportunity to grow. It was a part of God's plan for them and for their children. A return from exile was promised, but not then, only later when the time was right. Being prophetic is hard on both the one proclaiming the message and the ones hearing God's prophetic word to them. And it's why at one point in time, the Jews in Jerusalem actually threw Jeremiah down a well. I've had some tough times in the ministry but at least I've never been thrown down a well. Don't think I'd like that very much. But sometimes it's necessary to proclaim. Sometimes it's necessary to listen to. Sometimes it's necessary to act upon God's word to us, whether we feel like it or not, whether we want to or not. And I believe with all my soul that this old prophet Jeremiah has a very powerful and relevant word to speak to us, to you and me here today. There's a significant movement both within the church and within our nation today to long for a time in the past that we think, that we think we remember. When times seem somewhat less difficult, less complicated, where things seem to uh, be getting along better than they seem to be now. And I said we think, we think because God has blessed us with a thing that uh, psychologists or psychiatrists call selective memory. And as time goes by, we tend not only to forget some of the worst things about the past, but we tend to gloss over and polish up some of the better things to, to which they shine a little bit better than they really did at the time. We have a saying for this in the church, for those who want to do such a thing. Uh, we call them the Back to Egypt Committee. The Back to Egypt Committee. You remember how, how in the book of Exodus, Exodus, every time things got a little bit dicey, there were always the folks who complained to Moses and said, why don't you just let us go back to Egypt? <laughs> as if things were so much better there. Let's see. They seem to forget about the harsh of bondage and slavery. They seem to forget about what it, was not, what it was like not to be free. They seem to forget about the brutality of the taskmasters under whom they served. Not to mention the long hours making bricks out in the hot Egyptian sun. 
I hate to say it, but they're just sometimes here 70 or 3,700 years later that it just seems to me that things haven't changed a whole lot. In wanting to go back to some better time, we conveniently forget the sometimes harsh realities of the past. For instance, you know as well as I do that there are tensions between the races and the cultures in our society today. But it's nothing, thank God, nothing like the years of Jim Crow and de facto slavery that even I can remember in the days when I was growing up. We really don't want to go back to those bad old days, do we? I hope not. Through the years and over the miles, through Jeremiah, God is calling us to make sure that all of God's children have the opportunity to make quality lives for themselves and for their families, that they have adequate resources. And so Jeremiah's word comes to us, you know, loudly and clearly today. Seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. A lot is in the news today about the way certain people are treating the ladies in their midst. It's a joy to say that I think, again, even in my lifetime, I can see that you ladies have more opportunities, real opportunities perhaps, than you've ever had before in spite of the fact of those inappropriate advances and demands that are placed on you above and beyond what some might seem reasonable. Our ladies today are not still in a place where you're truly equal. And I know good and well that you have to uh, be twice as good and work twice as hard to get half the benefits that a lot of us get uh, a lot more easily. We don't want to back away from the progress we've made in gender equality, do we? I certainly don't. I don't think God wants us to. Throughout our society today, xenophobia, the fear of the new, of the unknown, those who are different from us, it's rampant. We're afraid of those whose skin is a different tone than, is our, than ours is, of those who might see God or worship God in a different manner than we do. We express disdain for those who come here seeking the same rights and privileges and opportunities that our ancestors came here seeking, be it a generation ago or 200 years ago. And if Jeremiah were here among us today, I guarantee you, I guarantee it that he would tell us to seek the welfare of all of those who are in our midst, and to pray for the entirety 
of the world, of the society around us today. Most of you will remember some years ago when the United Methodist Church adopted the slogan, Open Hearts, Open Minds, Open Doors. And yet I fear today that that openness is being challenged perhaps more than it ever has been in the last 50 years or more. You know, we want our church. Folks, it's not our church. It's God's church. We want the church to look and to act and to think just like we do. Many don't want to make rooms in our minds or our hearts or our congregations, and especially not in our pulpits. For those who don't quite fit into our preconceived notions of what a Christian should look like or act like or think like or pray like. Yet again, God through Jeremiah has shown us that as we help all of those around us to prosper, we're going to prosper even more. Hear that? Even more. When we seek God with our whole heart, we will find ways, uh, we'll find God in ways we never imagined possible before. When we seek the welfare of our city, our state, our nation, our church, only then will we begin to really see the genuine good which God seeks for all of God's children. And that includes us. We hear, we hear a lot today about make, making America great again. And you know what? I'm all for that. I'm all for that. But to make America, to make our society, to make the church great is not to retreat into a siege mentality, all right? It's not to close the gates, not to man the battlements, not to fill the moats. No, to make America, the society around us, the church, all that God has envisioned for us is not to strengthen the us versus them mentality that seems to be so prevalent in our society today. No, my friends, the way to keep, to make America, the church, Statesboro, the state of Georgia great is to figure out ways to be more welcoming, more affirming, more helpful, more supportive and enabling for all of those with whom we share this space. It's to find and to celebrate all of the ways that we're alike rather than to take our magnifying glasses and trying to figure out all the ways we're different. It's to develop a sense of unity amid our diversity. And I maintain that that's 
what has always made America great. That's what's always made this beloved United Methodist denomination great. We celebrate our unity in the midst of our diversity. We, we are what makes America. We are what makes the church. We are what makes Statesboro, Statesboro, living here 12 years, you think I could pronounce the name of the town, don't you reckon? <laughs> one of these days, Ms. Benny, one of these days, we are the ones who make Pittman Park, we are the ones who make the United Methodist Church what it is, good, bad, indifferent. The government is not going to teach our children right from wrong. It's not going to happen. If that's done, we must do it. All of the laws in the world can't force us to treat one another with love and dignity and respect. If that's to be done, we must do it. We, as a united people, with sound morals and judgment, with a high sense of value and ethical standards, we are the ones who will make this nation, state, community, denomination as great as God expects for us to be. If we don't do it, my friends, it's not going to get done. We shape the future, you and me. We shape the destiny of our society and our culture by whom we are and by what we do today. It's our job, nobody else's, to seek the welfare of these environments into which God has placed us. And so I tell you this morning, if I can put myself in the shoes of Jeremiah, which I can't, my ego is not that big, my talents are not that great, but just to pretend for a moment, the way to make America great is to provide a quality education for all of God's children. It is to provide opportunities for growth for people of all races and genders, all religions and nations of origin, all lifestyles and political persuasions. The way to make the church, our beloved United Methodist Church, great is to open our doors to any and all who will accept the invitation into God's great kingdom. It is to open our minds to the exciting possibilities that inviting others who are different from us into our midst so they can teach us as we teach them. Okay? It is to open our hearts and realize that everyone we encounter 
is just as important as we are. Just as loved by God as we, you and I, are blessed to be. You see, my friends, in the end, it was when they allowed themselves to accept God's message to them through the prophet Jeremiah. It was this that allowed them to survive, to thrive in those harsh realities of exile. They were able to use that difficult time to become stronger and to become better than they ever were before. And the message of God to us today is the same as it was to them way back there, back yonder and far away. Bloom where I've planted you. Be faithful where you are. Because, my friends, God has placed us here, you and me, for a particular purpose. He's placed us here for a particular purpose. And that purpose is for all of us together to learn and to grow, to pray and to work. Not for a past that never really was. But for the future that God intends for each and every one of his children. For surely, surely I know the plans I have for you, God said. Plans for your welfare and not for your harm. Plans to give you a future with hope. Plans to give you a future with hope. This is the word of the Lord. So let it be. Amen.